This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 301. Merry Christmas, everybody. Today is Sunday, December 25th, 2022. And of course, that is the opening song from the movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which, in my opinion, is the only Christmas movie worth watching. All right. And now we're going to get into the news and rumor stories for this week. First up, a photographer collects 12,000 leaves for a hypnotic stop-motion video. An incredible stop-motion video showing leaves transitioning from summer to fall has been released by a talented photographer. Brett Foxwell from the Bay Area shot the incredible sequence for his film, Leaf Presser. Each leaf was front-lit front and back-lit, and then they were assembled into sequences. Quote, there was such a stunning, diverse compendium of forms, shapes, and textures to be found that it began to seem as though there was an underlying visual vocabulary I could scarcely grasp, Foxwell says. Each word took hours to decode, and I could only collect such a vanishing small portion of leaves that I worried I would not get the whole message. It was such a laborious task with only my obsession to pull me through. Finally, a light appeared at the end of the leaf tunnel, and a vision was revealed. Leaf Presser is the second film in Foxwall's Nature Trilogy. The first, Wood Simmer, focused on hardwood, burls, and branches. Quote, the result is a hauntingly beautiful imagery that is both abstract and unquestionably real, he says. In the twisted growth rings and the swirling rays, a new universe is revealed. For Leaf Presser, Foxwell collected over 12,000 leaves. Quote, I conceived that the leaf shape, every single plant type I could find, would fit somewhere into a continuous animated sequence of leaves if that sequence were expansive enough, he says. If I didn't have the perfect shape, it meant I just had to collect more leaves. The leaves in the video haven't been time-lapsed. Instead, Foxwell found different leaves that fit together in a sequence. What is stop-motion animation? Well, stop motion is a technique of turning photographs into video. The photographer must take photos of an object as it moves incrementally. The pictures are then edited together to make a movie. This technique can be done in Photoshop. It's actually remarkably simple. And the steps to follow are the steps are as follows. One, open your sequence as layers in Photoshop. Two, open the timeline window and click create frame animation. Three, import your layers into the timeline panel as individual frames. Four, adjust the frame delay and looping settings as needed. And five, export in whatever format you prefer. More of Foxwell's work can be found at his website, Vimeo, and Instagram. And there is a really cool uh, 
gif of the animation, a couple of them in this article in the show notes for today's episode, as well as a his uh, Vimo video that you can watch for yourself, which is only two minutes and 41 seconds long. Definitely an intriguing project, and it looks like he was quite successful at pulling it off. Bear Cub adjusts trail, trail camera with amazing results. A bear cub adjusted a trail camera with surprisingly good results in northern Minnesota. The video was captured on a Voyager's Wolf Project trail camera in the Gopher State this year. In the first part of the clip, which was filmed back in September, the black bear cub approaches the camera and starts moving the recording device around. In the process, the bear manages to entirely readjust the camera so that it takes unexpectedly good close-up videos of wildlife in Minnesota. The camera captured various wildlife that calls the Voyager's ecosystem home, including the Windsong pack of wolves and several videos of the pack's pups. During the video, which was filmed over the course of a month, the camera also captures close-up shots of a bobcat, a fisher, and even more bears. There is even a sighting of a rough grouse towards the end of the clip. The researchers behind the Voyager's wolf project write, quote, while this cub has much to learn about setting cameras, it did a much better job than most of its comrades. The camera captured some very nice close-up videos of wildlife. The Voyager's Wolf Project studies wolves and their prey, which includes moose, deer, and beavers, during the summer in the greater uh, Voyager's ecosystem, which consists of the area in and around Voyager's National Park in northern Minnesota. A research project through the University of Minnesota, the Voyager's Wolf Project is aimed at furthering an understanding of the wolf behavior, specifically how wolves spend their summer. The organization shares its discoveries on social media and near daily videos and photos from its trail cameras of wolves and other animals that call Minnesota home, amassing a large group of online followers. Last week, Petapixel reported on a the moment a videographer filmed the extraordinary moment a grizzly bear kills a moose during a wedding. Event, photo- uh, event videographer Stanton Giles was filming a couple's wedding ceremony on the shore of Two Medicine Lake in Glacier National Park in Montana, U.S. on August 18th. The groom had nearly finished reading his vows when a grizzly bear charged out of the brush onto the North Shore and attacked a moose calf as its mother looked on. So definitely some interesting stuff here. Now, there is an accompanying YouTube video to this, and I haven't watched it yet myself, but it does sound uh, comical that a bear cub actually moved the camera around and resulted in getting some really good shots with the trail cam. Bears are extremely curious creatures. Um, If you don't already know that, I do from growing up in northeastern Pennsylvania, which has a fairly large bear population. And I've seen and heard of them doing all kinds of crazy things from ripping the door off an outdoor freezer to get to the meat inside to climbing up the steps and walking into the front door of a local bar in the summertime. That actually happened two different times in the town of Canton. Photographer builds a hybrid viewfinder with digital overlay for smartphones. Since the advancements made with mirrorless camera systems and their digital viewfinders, cameras with optical viewfinders have become somewhat rare, with hybrid viewfinders being even harder to find. This is why Getzman decided to give, uh, decided to dive into his physics and engineering background to build one from scratch for his smartphone. And there is an accompanying video to this on YouTube. 
In this 27-minute video originally spotted by Hackaday, creator and YouTuber Christopher Getzman shows us his path to building a truly hybrid viewfinder for mirrorless cameras and smartphones, inspired by the hybrid system found in the Fujifilm X100. Throughout the video, Getzman goes into great detail on the physics and science behind the entire process and why he felt the need to go old school and build out this project. Getzman says in the video, quote, I wanted to know how to make one myself for a project, and that info was surprisingly hard to find. Here I share what I learned and explained explained through a historical perspective, how you can get to the fancy modern hybrid viewfinder. He then poses the question, why use a viewfinder at all if you have a display with a live sensor readout? And his answer goes deeper than just nostalgia. The design used by Getzman leverages an interesting combination of lenses and beam splitters placed in a 3D printed enclosure that is all simply press fitted to avoid using anything overly fancy or the requirement of glues and adhesives. Getzman says he tries to avoid these glues as even the thinnest amount of superglue will create enough vapor to permanently blur any glass surface in the vicinity. Once assembled, the entire thing slides over one side of the smartphone and combines an optical view of the scene that matches the camera's field of view with a small digital overlay from the phone's screen, which includes some guidelines and a gyroscope tilt indicator that Getzman programmed himself. In the video, he says that adding additional information can be easily done and would be worth programming, but he had wanted to tackle other optical issues first. There is a lot of science and some great guides included in this extensive video for those interested in learning more about viewfinders and the science behind the glass optics involved in these systems. But for those who just want to get the actual DIY build portion of the video, you can jump ahead to the 23-minute mark to see the final build. And it is an interesting design. Despite creating a fun and functional finished product, Getzman said there are still a few kinks to get ironed out in the design, with the largest being some significant distortion and chromatic aberration on the digital overlay, which he says is mostly due to the lack of additional lenses in between to cancel out these errors. Perhaps in some future update, it will provide space for these lenses to help fix this. Even with the slight flaws, the deep dive into the viewfinder optics is quite interesting and worth the watch. See more of Geshman's videos on his YouTube channel, which you can find in this article in the show notes. Creepy 19th century photos show what Santa Claus used to look like. These remarkable 19th century photos reveal that Santa Claus was not always the portly, jolly, red-cheeked figure known today. A hunchback, skinny, and sometimes terrifying man, the fascinating images show what Father Christmas looked like in the 19th century, before he became the cuddly bearded man marketed to modern-day consumers. The black-and-white photographs that date as far back as the 1880s show Santa as a scary, scrawny, and episodal uh, robed man with no reindeer-powered sleigh in sight. Instead, St. Nick has developed a hunchback from dragging around presents. Other 19th century representations of Santa are far more terrifying. Some 1880s images depict a grotesque old man with a large mask, while some 1890s pictures represent Father Christmas as a spooky, ghostly aberration. 
Meanwhile, some early 20th century European images show St. Nick accompanied by a gruesome creature known as Krampus, a devil-like character who beats badly behaved children and drags them back to hell. <laughs> wow. It was only in 1920 that the modern vision of Santa as a plump, jolly man was created, and this was mainly down to Coca-Cola's holiday advertising. Coca-Cola wanted to move away from the traditional thin, intellectual, strict-looking Santa of the late eight, uh, 19th and early 20th centuries. For its festive commercial, the brand wanted to project a more lovable fat Santa with a taste for cookies, milk, and, of course, Coca-Cola bottles. Afterward, many other brands and television shows in the 20th century continued fueling this modern depiction of Santa. Father Christmas dates back as far as the 16th century in England. However, it was during the Victorian period that Christmas customs enjoyed a significant revival, including the figure of Santa. Father Christmas's physical appearance in the 19th century was changeable, while the signature white beard was always present. Santa was variously portrayed as hunchbacked, svelte, haggard, and even frightening. Loosely based on the patron saint of children, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus was also represented as a strict, pious figure clothed in bishops' red and white robes. This was later replaced by a fur-trimmed suit in the early 1900s. So definitely an interesting look back on the history of Santa Claus, and you can see all of these 19th century photos in this article in today's show notes. And I'm going to take a break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Now we head on over to Canon Rumors for this week. Canon patents optical formula for an RF 200 to 500 millimeter F4L IS 1.4 times lens. One of the more popular, quote, big white lenses from Canon was the EF 200-400 F4 uh, LIS 1.4. It was never uh, reached to assume Canon would make an RF follow-up to that lens. It also shouldn't surprise anyone that Canon would do a redesign of the lens instead of us simply modifying the existing design for the RF mount. In this patent found by Absinant, uh, Canon shows a bevy of similar optical formulas. If we had to guess, the RF 200-500 F4L IS 1.4 would be the perfect follow-up to its EF mate. So what we have here is formulas for a Canon RF 200-400 F4L IS 1.4, focal length 205.1 millimeters to 385.5 millimeters, F number 4.1, half angle of view 5.99 to 3.21, image height 2163 millimeters should be 64 because that's generally what it is for Canon full frame. Length overall 367.62 millimeters with a back focus of 39.994 millimeters. Then we have the Canon RF 200 to 500 F4L IS 1.0. 
2.4x, focal length 207 millimeters to 487.9 millimeters, F number 4.1, half angle of view 5.97 to 2.54, image height 2164 millimeters, length overall 410.05 millimeters with a back focus of 39.998 millimeters. And the third one is a Canon RF 300 to 700 millimeter F56 LIS 1.4. Uh, focal length 288.1 millimeters to 678.9 millimeters, F number 5.7, half angle of view 4.30 to 1.83, image height of 2165 millimeters, length overall 410.05 millimeters with a back focus of 39.998 millimeters. So it's definitely intriguing, and it's not all that surprising, being the Canon does already have a 200 to 500 F4L with a 1.4 teleconverter in the EF mount. It would only make sense that they would do a similar lens in the RF mount. Uh, Canon is doing redesigns. They're not just changing the mount on the old EF lenses, but it would make sense that they would stick to lens optical formulas, which they've already built in the past, so that they would have that previous information as a blueprint to come out with the new versions for the RF mount. Canon will release a trio of RF mount wide-angle L prime lenses in the first half of 2023. The eternally rumored Canon RF 35 F1.2 L USM or F1.4 has been rumored for what seems forever. We've seen this before with certain lenses, most notably the EF 24-70mm F2.8 L Mark II and the EF 100-400 F4.5-5.6 L ISUSM II. They existed and took forever to actually get announced and hit the market. We have been told that Canon actually plans to launch three wide-angle L prime lenses from the RF uh, for the RF mount in the first half of 2023. One of the lenses will be the RF 35mm f1.2 or 1.4L and an RF 24mm f1.4L USM. The third lens is unknown at this time, though we have heard rumors of Canon finally releasing an L 28mm prime lens. Craig wants that to be the true more than any other rumor. This makes some sense. A lot of photographers wouldn't buy more than one of these lenses. Releasing such lenses together gives customers a choice that fits their shooting without settling for something close, but not exactly what they wanted. And there will be more on this story to come as time goes on. And now we'll head on over to Nikon Rumors. Nikon MCN10 remote grip for the Nikon Z-mount system is now shipping. Several readers alerted me that the new Nikon MCN10 remote grip for the Nikon Z-mount system is now shipping. Check pricing and availability in the U.S. at Adorama, B&H, Amazon, Pulse Photo, and Service Photo, in Canada at Camera Canada, in the U.K. at Wex, and in Germany at Earnhardt, Calumet, and Koch. Additional pictures of the new Nikon MCN10 remote grip for the Nikon Z-mount system are also in this article in today's show notes, so you can check it out for yourself. Chinese lenses, holiday sale, per gear, seven artisans, TT artisans, Viltrox, ZY Optics, Fun Leader, and Mikkei. 
Most Chinese lens manufacturers are currently running holiday specials per gear up to 45% off, Seven Artisans up to 20% off, TT Artisans 11% off, Viltrox up to 40% off, ZY Optics up to 40% off, Fun Leader at 10% off, and Mike has various discounts that you can check out for this holiday season. And now on over to Fuji Rumors, Eduardo Soteras snaps UNICEF Photo of the Year 2022 with Fujifilm APS-C X-Gear. Edwards Soteras has been awarded with the UNICEF Photo of the Year 2022 for the image you can see above. And you can find this image in the article in the show notes. Quote, although destroyed, the, li- the library in this elementary school in Ethiopia's, Ethiopia's Tingray region is where two children have taken refuge in books. This little moment of happiness shows in their smiles. It is a rare moment. Because of the armed conflict with the central government, 5.2 million people in this region in northern Ethiopia are suffering from violence, displacement, malnutrition, and a shortage of drinking water. The desire to discover and learn new things is often so great in children that it makes them forget the threat of a situation. That is the message of the UNICEF Photo of the Year 2022, said UNICEF patron, Elki, uh, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Budenbender, uh, wife of federal president Frank Walter Steimer. Quote, the winning image challenges us to do everything we can to ensure that children can play and learn even under the most adverse circumstances. Because this is the only way you can maintain their hope and confidence in times of war and other crises. Given the importance of this image, little, uh, little it matters that the EXIF data shows that have been taken with the Fujinon XF 16mm F1.4 RWR. Here on Fuji Rumors, we just want to congratulate uh, fellow ex-shooter Eduardo Sordis for his important recognition and for making the best possible use of our beloved Fujifilm gear, encapsulating meaningful moments and important messages into a single powerful image. You can read more about this image and Eduardo Sordis on the dedicated UNICEF page, which you can find in this article in the show notes. Thanks to Daniel Stocker from Instagram for letting me know about it. And in case you're being brainwashed by some YouTubers that you can only get real pro work done with uh, full frame gear, check out the articles below. And you can find all of this in today's episode's show notes. So you can check them out for yourself. Mike 25mm F095 manual APS-C lens. The new Mike 25mm F095 has been announced recently and now starts to be available at Amazon. At the time of this post, you can find the Sony E-mount version here and other mounts, including Fujifilm X-mount, will soon be available. The aperture range is F095 to F16, focal length is 25 millimeters, filter thread is 62 millimeters, weight is 600 grams or 1.32 pounds, focus mode is manual only, minimum focusing distance 0.25 meters, Lens construction, 11 elements in 9 groups, diaphragm blades, 13, APS-C angle of view, diagonal, 53.9 degrees, or 59.3 degrees, and horizontal, 52 degrees, vertical, 35.4 degrees. Micro four-thirds angle of view, diagonal, 47.6 degrees, horizontal, 38.8 degrees, and vertical, 29.5 degrees. 
The new Mike 25mm F-09-5 will be available soon at Amazon US and B&H Photo, and it is listed on the Mike site. Mike lenses for Fujifilm can be found at Amazon and B&H Photo. So there you have it, another really wide aperture lens from Mike. And wrapping up today's episode from Sony Alpha Rumors, digging deep into the Sony A7R5 AI subject recognition. Most of the camera reviewers did not have enough time to explore this subject recognition in any depth during the initial review period. This video tutorial by Mark Gaylor sets out to explain how to navigate the myriad of Sony settings for AI subject recognition. This will allow A7R5 owners to further understand the camera's AI subject recognition and help them to optimize the settings to suit their own photographic workflows. You can find the Sony A7R5 in the U.S. at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, Beach Camera, and Bidig, in EU at Photocotch, Amazon, EU, Photo Earnhardt, Calumet DE, Wex UK, Park Cameras UK, in Australia at the Camera Pro and Camera House, as well as Sony's website. Save big on Lexar PNY SD cards at Amazon and on the Sigma 90mm and 20mm FE lenses. Amazon's New Year deal page is now offering a deal on Lexar cards and storage. Click here and PNY cards and storage. Click here. There are also two new Sigma lens deals at Adorama, 250 off on the Sigma 20mm f2.0 and 240 off on the Sigma 90mm f2.8. Reminder, Topaz launched the new holiday deals on all apps. Click here and you can save up to 30%. And that is all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 301 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. If you're not currently a subscriber, why not? It's absolutely free. It doesn't cost you anything. All you have to do is find the show in your favorite podcatcher and hit subscribe, share it out with everyone else that you know on social media and elsewhere, and encourage them to subscribe to the show as well to help grow the audience. Now, I do appreciate the dedication of all of my loyal listeners, and I did want to let you know that there is going to be a new contest that'll be starting soon in 2023, and for this contest, I will be giving away a Platypod uh, Extreme flat tripod. 
I wanted to take this moment to thank both uh, Dr. Larry Tiefenbrunn as well as Skip Cohen from Platypod. They were kind enough to donate the prize for this particular contest. So they are sponsoring the prize for the contest. Platypod is not a sponsor of the show, so I don't want you to get confused there. They are strictly sponsoring this particular contest, which will be starting up in 2023. So make sure you stay tuned to the show for more information on how you can enter for a chance to win that Platypod Extreme. Also, please remember to stop by the Lee Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media, and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. I released yesterday my unbox and review of the PANS Snap-in Smart Filter System for the iPhone 14 Pro Max, and it is an impressive system, so I highly encourage you to check out that video. You can find a link to it in today's show notes. All right, that wraps this one up. Merry Christmas, everybody. 